Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Damel and the Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Patrick Sparks, former guard for the University of Kentucky. Patrick Sparks, just two quick notes on him. One of the most underrated tournament plays when he hit a three-pointer to force overtime against Michigan State in 2005. What was so great about it was the the ball just kept rattling around the rim and then it dropped and they had to go to the monitor because his foot was so close to the line. They needed a three. They counted it. Michigan State ended up winning uh, in double overtime. Patrick Sparks, my second note, a little bit of Bubba Sparks in him. Booty, 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 rocking everywhere. A little bit of Bubba Sparks and Patrick Sparks, Uh, but he subscribed, so you should as well. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Well, we got a we got a celebrity in our midst here, Taylor Dammel, making his national uh, TV appearance on NFL Sunday on Fox. Taylor, would you care to explain to the theater goers how you got on 
the the tube there. Yeah, well, I was talking to my uh, my good friends Kurt, uh, Terry, Howie, uh, Mike, Big Mike, as we call him. Um, you know, Terry's an old family friend, Bradshaw, and uh, you know, Kurt Menifee, man. Me and him go way back, but we were in our group chat the other day, and they're like, "Man, Taylor, we need someone to really shed some light on the Packers' hot start to the season." And they said, "You know who we want on is your girlfriend Danielle. That's who we would like to have as an analyst." And by analyst, we mean could you just sit on your couch and say, "Go Pack, go." So that's what we did. Um, I I actually don't want to bring any light to my part. Uh, really, what happened was uh, my girlfriend's sister has a friend who's a producer for uh, Fox NFL Sundays. And she asked us to do one of those kind of fluff, real uh, how fans are watching from home things uh, this year. And the segment is called uh, On the Couch or From the Couch. And uh, so so poor Danielle, my girlfriend, had her whole line going. She said, cozied on the couch in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I followed with, Ready to watch Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers torch the Lions again. And then we did a go pack go. It was goofy as fuck. Don't get me wrong. But then poor Danielle got her entire part cut out. And all it was, all all that was on air was ready to watch Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers torch the Lions go pack go. So I just want to make sure that Danielle gets her 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 due here. Because she was the one who had the, the most of the lines and then got cut out. What? Very good on you for for caping for Danielle there, but I mean they got they, they got to edit that. Obviously, I mean it might just they might have just said, "Oh, it's redundant." Obviously, you're on the couch. We can yeah. see you're on the couch. I get it, though. right? And we sent multiple versions in too. So the worst part is, is they cut they essentially cut out Danielle's part of all versions, meaning none of the things that Danielle said were worthy of the of the of the show. So it was kind of one of those situations that was. Uh, I don't want to say instantly regrettable because it was it was goofy as shit. Don't get me wrong. Like, you just don't want people to think that, like, for me at least, I didn't want people to think that I was, like, sending this in on a weekly basis to hope to get, like, six seconds of airtime with my boy Kurt and Terry and stuff. I will like, tell you, that is the vibe that you gave off. Yeah, no, I, I know. I know. That's why I'm, I'm saying this is because I this was something we were asked to do. Oh, surely we could have said no. I, I get that. But it, it was not something that we we uh, we sought out to do. Let's put it that way. Well, the rest of America does not think that. I know. To the extent you believe that you did not get off, give off that vibe, you gave off the vibe. Oh, of no, I, 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 I'm aware that I gave off that vibe. And, you know, <laughs> I wanted- at least the lady, sorry not to interrupt, but the lady after us ha- was holding her terrible towel upside down. I don't know if anyone caught yeah. that, but at least we didn't make that mistake. Well, you're Sorry. you're in strong company with that lady, but I would I would tell you um, there was one I didn't see it live. I heard about it after the fact, and I watched the full video. Phenomenal work! I think he got a future in the business. But I my overwhelming takeaway was your ability to twirl the football and just look completely completely in the zone in your in your bunker right there, getting prepared for the game. Talk to me about that twirl. How much time did you prepare with it? Uh, was this always going to be a, a move out of you or is it kind of a, a nerve coping mechanism to get through the, the scene? No, the ball twirl, I feel like had to be an accessory because it's kind of like a it's kind of like a Ricky Bobby. What do you do with your hands type of situation? You know, like you just go pack, go. I'm holding my hands up right now because obviously nobody can see that. But I feel like the ball twirl had to happen. 
you know, I mean, it was there. I actually, it wasn't of the, like, the five or six takes we did. It was probably the worst or second worst ball twirl. I can't actually do it on a single finger because I'm not an NFL player. So uh, that's all I had. That That's uh, all the ball skills that I have right there. Who was in charge of the the script writing? I mean, this is this this really it kind of reeks of uh, like a, a school project where you just get into groups, like a Spanish project, right? You're in tenth grade Spanish, and your teacher's saying, "Hey, I want you to put on a little sketch for me using these verbs and uh, you know this conjunction, things like that." Who was yeah. the script writer? Yeah, <laughs> Como se dice, go pack go. Yeah, I. Uh... I was me and Danielle. We were a team effort, really. We came up with all like 13 of those words strung together on our own. Um, I I think why Danielle got cut out, to be honest with you, if we're really going to dive into this, is I think she said our actual location, which was Scottsdale, Arizona. I think what they were looking for was like on the couch in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin, or some bullshit like that. Not, And I said that that's what we shouldn't send in was our actual location. And so we did send a version without our location in, but that got cut out anyway. Um, but what they asked us to do was just kind of say something about this week's opponent. Um, and that was pretty much, which was luckily the lions. So it was, I really could have said anything about like kicking the shit out of them. And it all would have been like applicable. Um, well, I thought the script was beautiful. It read it read like a Aaron Sorkin in West Wing or a, the newsroom, or maybe a Robert Frost poem. It was, I thought it was great. So you, I'm glad that you guys stuck to your guns, you know, got in the war room, chopped some wood, and came out with a script that you both collaborated on, and it was great. You know, here's what I will say. So when you guys get your opportunity, when uh, I get you guys on to for the Washington football team and the uh, New England Patriots is – don't make the, I super amateur mistake on my part. I filmed the first version of it vertically. What an idiot. That's just, that's failing to prepare right there is what it is. And so then I had to go, we watched it. I'm like, oh, you fucking idiot. I had to go back, put the, put the whole tripod, whatever. The, we, we literally taped my phone to a lamp to put, make this happen. And uh, some real MacGyver shit there. And, uh, had to go back and do it vertically or uh, horizontally. So big mistake on my part. I will say this, this, this event was not without uh, flaws and shortcomings. I wouldn't feel too bad about that. I think Scorsese did something a little bit off like that early on in his career with, uh, you know, just filming tactics were a little off. I I think your future's still bright. This is what happens with dynamic duos. You look at Ben Affleck and Matt Damon probably had some friction while writing goodwill hunting, but fantastic film Shaq and Kobe resulted in a couple of titles right so this is what all the great duos have to go through so hug for you great appearance there uh on Fox fellas I'd be remiss if I didn't say that we got a date we got a start date baby I'm hold on hold on I'm in I'm I'm interrupting you I'm interrupting you real quick I just want to apologize I want to apologize to both of you first I really should have been wearing a theater and college hoops shirt during this I mean, we don't even have a shirt. I, yeah. Sure. I mean, I could have produced one on like Zazzle.com for like $3 and made it happen. So I'm sorry I'm interrupting. I just want to say that is my bad. I really could have grown our viewership by six, why don't you, maybe, six maybe seven people if I would have done that. Why don't you, why don't you make, the sh- make the shirt as penance, you know? And just you, pass you it take, Yeah. Yeah, you take point on the shirt production. But yeah, okay. you did get into Sub's crescendo of announcing I, when the start was about to happen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry, nothing more important than that because we got to start date November 25th followed by Thanksgiving the next day. Who's hungry, baby? We got college hoops. I busted out the uh, I, I busted out the Farmer Fran titty, titty rub gift for the first time since like February. I'm back. Fellas, before we dive into these top five, your just initial thoughts on college hoops finally coming back and there being a date. Shark, I'll start with you. Need to see it happen first. You know, it's kind of like for the the NBA bubble when that that first started, and they were playing a bunch of weird exhibition games without fans. It didn't it didn't really hit home. So I'm actually less I'm ha- I'm happy that it's trending towards you know having a season so we can watch something. But I, this is something I have to see it before I can actually get fired up. And also, it's going to be happening right in the heart of football season. Washington football team one and one will be playing on Thanksgiving against the Dallas Cowboys. So I kind of got to wrap myself into that. Uh, but again, I mean, this is good news. I'll take good news when I can get it. A couple months ago, we couldn't get any good news. You know, there there was no good news coming our way. So this is positive. I'll be a little more optimistic than that in saying that I do think that this is going to happen no matter what size or even if we get any basketball is better than none. In my opinion, I do think it's really funny to see where all of these uh, island based tournaments, let's call them are like moving to, you know, like the battle for Atlantis is now going to be in South Dakota and like random places like that. I did see today though, that, um, ESPN is going to move, I think, eight of their preseason college basketball tournaments to a bubble-like situation in Orlando. And I think that should be a real positive for all of this starting because I really think that once we get over that first hump, unless things really take a nosedive, that we're going to be able to get through the whole season. It's just kind of like any of these sports um, like, I don't think any of us think that the NFL is going to end, right? I mean, the first two weeks have been almost perfect in terms of, like, COVID stuff. I understand college and NFL are different. Once the MLB got over that first hump of COVID tests, once NBA got through, you know, figuring out how they're going to do the bubble, same with the NHL, um, and now to the NFL, I think that college basketball will have, you know, all of these other examples of how this has worked, and I don't think there's any reason that they shouldn't be able to make that work. Well, I think when the pandemic first hit and they canceled the tournament, I just said, look, I can't do two tournaments in a row without having anything. So I'm just glad that there is going to be a tournament. I'm glad there's going to be a regular season. So we have that to look forward to. Next month, we start our regularly scheduled programming uh, weekly episode. So I'm pumped about that. But right now, let's go ahead and dive in to our top five right now. Uh, Out of the ACC at number five, fellas, it's the Duke Blue Devils. Five national titles, 16 Final Fours, 22 conference titles, 22 Elite Eights, 31 Sweet Sixteens, and 41 NCAA tournament appearances for the Blue Devils. Shark, I'll kick it to you first to get some thoughts on them. I can't talk about the Duke Blue Devils without talking about Coach K because Coach K is that entire program. They had nothing before him. He came over from Army uh, in 1980, and that is essentially all the accomplishments that you've seen out of the Duke Blue Devils that put them and catapulted them to number five on our Titch rankings. Now, when you look at – I uh, honestly, since 1980, is there is there a better program than Duke? I don't know. Probably not. You can pull up all the stats that you would have in front of the, I mean, that Subi rattled off to you in the beginning, but the amount of titles that they've won in that time frame, uh, the continued consistent 
elite success. It's not kind of just like, yeah, they make a sweet 16 every once in a while. They're, they're pushing final fours. You know, they have 16 total in that time frame. They've making the tournament every single year. They're within the top three in the ACC every single year. And they've become America's villain out of nowhere because of the way that the, their players play on that team. I mean, you go back to this really all started for Duke um, in 1985, 86, when they had when they had uh, Jay Billis was on that team and Billis kind of got it started for Coach K. And that led the way to Christian Leitner. Uh, I'm citing to Billis. He wasn't the best player. He was just a guy that you can kind of use in your time frame uh, to associate with them. That led to Leitner, Bobby Hurley and on and on we go. Grant Hill, all those guys through the 90s. And it just keeps going every single year. they're, I mean, I don't know how they're attracting their top tier talent nowadays as opposed to the 1980s, but they are an elite program. They're trending upwards. Uh, there's a couple schools in front of them right now in our titch rankings that are probably only ahead of them because of their historical success that Duke didn't match, but they really are as good as you can possibly get right now. So um, I only want to push back on you slightly because they do have final fours that aren't under coach K they've got four of them. In fact, that are outside of coach K 63, 64, 66, and 78. And if you walk back on our list to probably outside the twenties or actually well, well into the twenties for some schools like Arizona, for example, that's more final fours than a lot of schools on our list of top 50 or even top 30 in general is four final fours. So they did have some, some really solid success in the 60s and then into the 70s. And then, of course, that was taken to a completely different level under Coach K. Um, you know, they do, of course, have one of the best uh, home court advantages and atmospheres in college basketball. They have, uh, you know, it's interesting that all the talent they had there hasn't really parlayed into a ton of great NBA players, but that might be changing a little bit now too especially over the last five to seven years with uh the one and done uh you know studs coming out of high school to duke and really i think uh, you know extrapolating on what you said about coach k not only is coach k arguably the greatest college basketball coach ever along with john wooden his ability to adapt like 35 years into his career as like a 70 year old or plus 70 plus year old has really been uh you know, quite remarkable to go from someone who is recruiting like four year players to all of a sudden turn around and become one of the top two for sure recruiters in the country for one and done players um, is, is quite remarkable. So, you know, I, I know we give him a lot of shit on this show and we give Duke a lot of shit on this show and we'll continue to do so. But there really is no denying that the only reason we give a shit about these guys is because they're that good. Yeah, I think my f- the most appealing part about Duke for me, and it's kind of oxymoronic, is how much I hate them, if that makes sense. right? So everyone knows about how great they are in terms of the wins and the titles and the Final Fours. Everyone knows about Coach K. Everyone knows about the crazies. But th- they've achieved such a level of villainy that I think is honestly unparalleled. I don't know if there's other teams that – I mean, they had a documentary – literally made about the most villainous college basketball player in Christian Leitner. And he's just one person who represents all of Duke hatred. I think fucking Peter Rosenberg got his start in media or got famous because he was, he was a Maryland alum, I think. And he just, I don't know. He made a, a, a rap to the tune of Mims 
uh, Mims's uh, what's what was his song? I forget, but he, he basically said like I hate Duke or Duke sucks or something like that. So everyone, I mean, the vitriol that they get is so fascinating to me. You can look at pretty much every decade, right? Reddick, Grayson Allen, Christian Leitner. You could do a starting five of villainous players for Duke, and even as a fan. Their fans are just so obnoxious and people hate them so much. But I have to say, it's like a Draymond Green or a player in, in the NBA who you hate, but you would love to be uh, have them on your team. I want to be a Cameron crazy. I would love to be in their shoes and then just like be pompous, arrogant, everything like that. No, and I, it's totally, I, and it's a fair point from Taylor to bring up the kind of pre-1980 history, but if you were to just take the, that history of Duke and just say they were staying on that trend that they were going until Coach K came, then this program is no different than like Marquette or Wake Forest or some other team that made the Final Four you know, for a couple cup couple cups of coffee. Well, that was a lot, but it was whatever coach K instilled. And it's all this stuff we're talking about. The, the intangibles, the effort, the players that are so into the game that play well with one another, they happen to be white early on too. And that pissed people off because there was this, you know, stigma that you shouldn't be white and it's a try hard type guy. And those were exactly what Bobby Hurley was early on in his career. And you love to hate him, and Leitner epitomized it. Um, from just being so good on the court. I'm not saying it was people being racist. It was people being jealous of not having that experience and not being able to emulate that. So that's why Duke was so great. And it all coincided with the coach K rise. So I do want to say, Subi, you, you still have the opportunity to be a camera crazy because I think the most like under talked about thing about the camera crazies is they're all like 30 fucking years old. These aren't undergrads that are camera crazy. I mean, they're literally our age doing this stuff. I'm just, you know, obviously there are some who are younger, but the 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 hierarchy of who gets to go to Duke basketball games starts with like doctorate and like bachelor's students, and then it works down to undergrad students. So I just want to throw that out there that your dream, if we'll call it that, is not over. But I will say, I think you have said this, and I know a couple of our other friends have said this. I don't necessarily agree with this, but um, I know, I, I believe this is something you said that if you were to be, we all have those discussions late night, 2 a.m., maybe a full rack of uh, CL smooths consumed. Like, if you were the star athlete, where would you choose to go to school? Um, I think you are one of those people that chose just give me the Duke and let everybody hate me. And I think that's, uh, that's for a lot of people, that's an attractive place. And I, I don't necessarily jive with that's where I would want to go, given some of the other things you have to deal with at Duke. But that that fact alone is probably uh, uh, almost more true than anything else. Is let me go to Duke, be the star, and let everybody hate me. Yeah, it, it, that's the thing. Like, I want to first and foremost go to a school where basketball is king, undisputed king. And we've said a million times that you're either a football school or a basketball school. Duke through and through. Nobody cares about football. Even at the apex of lacrosse, nobody really cares. I'm sure they have other good athletic programs. It's Cameron Indoor. It's the Cameron Crazies. It's Duke basketball. And so on top of that, I kind of it's got to feel so great that you have so much real estate in people's heads. Like you're the reason, even guys like fucking Marcus Bolden, people probably hate Marcus Bolden for some reason, uh, despite the fact that he doesn't really move the, the needle. Javin Delorier probably really strikes a chord with some people. And that's because of the jersey that he wears. So if we were doing a, a top 50 of most hated teams, maybe it just in all of sports, Duke takes that title. 
Well, and one of the things that goes along with hating Duke is that there's a legitimate argument that they're also the best academic school on this list too. So not only are they the top five basketball program, but they're one of the top academic schools in the country. So it is like they are viewed as, and rightfully so, I'm not saying that that they aren't this, but they're viewed as the elitist or the elite of the elitist or the elitist of the elite, however you want to phrase that. And so that kind of adds to the hate from like the regular person. Well, and yeah, I will say, you said on this list, we also had, we had Princeton somewhere in the 50s. So they, they probably take the cake well, in terms I'm just, of the academics. I see what you're saying. I got it. I yeah, got they're you. I got sure you. as hell up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, all right. So best player, we said Christian Leitner. I don't think that's – I mean, he's one of the greatest college basketball players ever. And then fan favorite, I'm sure the Shark didn't write this, but uh, Zion Williamson was fan favorite. I can think of maybe I – mean, hey, I don't, I don't know if I said it. Uh, Taylor, was that you? <laughs> You got, I, I would go maybe Bobby Hurley for for fan favorite. Yeah, was I was I the ACC shit? I can't remember. Uh, I was the ACC. I, I definitely would, would not have written that though because everyone knows my stance on Zion. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I put that in. Someone manipulated the form. But to, to to your points though, they have a lot, a lot, probably more than any other school of fan favorites. That it's hard for us to tell because we hated almost all of them you know zion aside even though shark doesn't love zion he wasn't zion wasn't nearly as hateable as all of these other guys though so it's it's tough for us to give the the fan favorite to to a school where everybody hates every player pretty much all right let's move on now to number four out of the big 12 it's the kansas jayhawks with three national titles 15 final fours 62 conference titles 24 elite eights 31 Sweet 16s, and 48 NCAA tournament appearances. Kansas, uh, definitely with the, I mean, by far the lowest number of national titles here in this top five, but the rest of the the numbers just speak for themselves. Basketball was born there. That that needs to be taken into account. Shark, I'll kick it to you as well for Kansas. For whatever reason, I, you got this image of Kansas of being where, I mean, as Subi said, where basketball's born. You got some, you're in some wheat field, and there's these little things floating across, and you got someone shooting into a peach basket and all that crap. They've only won three titles. They, I mean, obviously they've churned up a ton of wins, but when you look at when they've won titles, I was kind of blown away going through this exercise about how, you know, outside of quantity unimpressive this resume really is you have to put them up there because of how much they've done they've made the final four a ton of times in the 21st century but they are the a blue blood program as we would always say whatever the heck that means we should probably dive into where that got its origins from but they haven't won a title they won in 08 obviously against the memphis guys uh and before that it was 1988 and before that it was 1952 so you're looking at three titles for a program that you your mind is automatically going to connotate with success at the college basketball level, but for whatever reason, it's not really matching it. Um, you know, it, it it could have happened plenty of times. Uh, it just hasn't. So that was one, my one big takeaway. You, you know, their their in game experience is always electric on TV. Uh, it's always something that you are looking. You know, Kansas is always going to be a one seed that you have to entertain, uh, you know, assume in the in the tournament come March. But for, I mean, match match what I think of what I've propped them up in my head. It's not necessarily matched on the sheet. Well, I think one of the reasons is 
is that they have almost three times as many conference championships as a team like Duke has. Duke only has 22 conference championships, which is really interesting. Kansas has like a million, like 60, I think, or some crazy number like that. Um, They, like you said, have an unbelievable amount of Elite Eights, Final Fours, uh, the home of basketball. Obviously, Allen Fieldhouse, since it opened like 70 years ago, I think they've only lost like 100 total times there. And then even propelled further just in recent times by the fact that they won the big 12 15 years in a row until last year. Is it 15? I think something, so. Something. Crazy yeah. Like uh, just absurd. So it, it's kind of, we talk about this with some other schools, uh, but it's, it's even more apparent with Kansas that they're just a team who is always, always, always in the news, in the running for a one seed. Like you said, in the running for an elite eight in the running for the conference championship. And then once you start a streak or streaks like that, then you just constantly talked about. So uh, their school is going to be constantly talked about for a number of reasons. And uh, almost as much as anybody, uh, you know, even more so than maybe one or two of the teams ahead of them on this list, they might be the most historically significant program from a length of significance time period in college basketball. Well, I think that's why we find them here is the, like you said, the length of uh, which they've accomplished all this greatness and success. Uh, I would also like to say, and this is something that we kind of skim over. It, it is part of our criteria and how we rank these guys, but the home court advantage, this is the best uh, home venue in all of college basketball. I don't think there's a close second, even Duke, right? I mean, I think you could argue Cameron's just too small. Uh, the fog is, it just has this mystique. It has this aura. And every single Saturday game, Fran Fraschilla's on the call, someone like that, right? Shulman's on the call, Jay Billis. It's a big-time atmosphere every single time. And, I mean, Kansas is definitely one of those places, and Lawrence is one of those places where if you're a college basketball fan, that's a bucket list place. That is 100% a bucket list place. Um but I, Shark, I think to your point, the lack of national titles is a little bit staggering and kind of kind of jumped out at the page at me as well. Here's another point that uh, I'd like to make on them as well. You, they're players. I mean, they're they're the people that have come out of that program are not necessarily outstanding NBA players. When you think back of these teams that lost in the in the in the championship, you know, you go back to the one with Kirk Heinrich. And uh, Nick Collison against Carmelo Anthony. It's Kirk Heinrich and Nick Collison uh, on Kansas. You would expect more. The team that lost in uh, to Anthony, I think it was Anthony Davis in eleven or twelve. It was Thomas Robinson. You remember that guy, the Jack yep. guy that was an undersized power forward. And he was, was a top five pick. I, 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 I loved Thomas Robinson. Okay, yeah, Sacramento, I mean, yeah, I mean, Sacramento he's Kings. Not, he's not Charles Barkley. And then the team that won their best player was Mario Chalmers. And it's like you keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Mario Chalmers. I mean, you look at who is their best player to come out of that program in the past, you know, thirty years. Paul Pierce, maybe in terms of production in the NBA. Yeah, Ray Ray might be there. You're not. You're not. Well, no, I'm in the NBA, but yeah. I mean, if we're doing college production, then you got to put the old man Perry Ellis up there at some point as well. But maybe Sharon Collins, all those guys. But when you look at like NBA level production, Viva La France I mean, and Paul Pierce, that's really yeah. what you're looking for right there. Well, I think there's the reason for that is a lot of the same as like Dukes, for example, is that up until just recently, 
were, you know, these teams were kind of behind the trend of the one and done trend. And if you really look at the best players in the NBA right now, where they went to college, if they even went to college, you know, LeBron's still the best player in the NBA and he's been in the league for 17, 18 years, right? Arguably the second best player in the NBA went to Davidson. The, arguably the third best player in the NBA. Kentucky, to your point, to get there, I'd say Kentucky uh, and Duke does pretty well in the NBA right now. Well, maybe, uh, yeah, over the last like five years or so now, but not like over the a whole course of time, maybe. And I think that it more has to do with like the randomness that is the one and done era of college basketball. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, the NBA happened before the one and done era. But I think that the the people who are running programs like Kansas and Coach K at Duke and things of that nature really knew how to produce championship level teams in college basketball more than they were worried about producing NBA superstars just because the level of NBA superstar or like the DNA of NBA superstars have changed. You look at North Carolina, for example, not to jump ahead here, but you look at North Carolina, they had their first one and done from like a, in like ever like two years ago or three years ago, which was an unbelievable stat. I can't even remember. It wasn't even someone who should have gone to the NBA. I can't even remember who it was. They they have they have a crazy streak of not having an all star as well. North Carolina yeah. players too, as right, well. but, I, and I don't want to jump ahead to them, but I think it's more of the level of that. Like our top five teams are are five of the seven winningest teams in college basketball history, and I think that goes to show more of of over that course of time players who stay there for a long time rather than who bounce in and out because the players who bounce in and out are clearly who ends up being the best college basketball players. I think NBA players, excuse me, NBA players. I think also Kansas and Duke definitely recently and even 10 years ago or so they have been prone to some serious uh, uh, upsets in the tournament. I mean, these next three teams that we're going to be seeing, they either suck or they actually do pretty well in the tournament. They're not necessarily upset uh, in the tournament, but Kansas and Duke, they've had some strong teams that just get that, that lose early. Uh, let's move on then to number three, UCLA at number three, 11 national titles, 18 final fours, 37 conference titles, 22 elite eights, 34 sweet 16s and 49 NCAA tournament appearances. Shark, uh, some quick thoughts on the Bruins before we get to our interview. Yeah. You got to get peanut or cashew, whatever you're, dog is over there to lock it up a little bit obviously we have a tremendous interview that we're leading into so i don't want to take too much time uh discussing my thoughts all i know is i believe the catchphrase that she provided was um brains beauty and athleticism was that something like that uh, i would just counter with lorenzo mata real without further ado let's go ahead and get to our interview with ucla alum rachel pancakes all right, we want to remind you that you can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, but I must say I'm extremely happy and pleased to bring on probably my favorite guest, and that is my fiance Rachel, a.k.a. Rachel Pancakes, a.k.a. the Tequila Monster. You might be wondering why my fiance is being interviewed right now. It's a very fair question. Is it nepotism? Uh, was the guest well just so dry that we had to resort to loved ones? No, as a matter of fact, the main reason is because she is a proud alum of UCLA. Rachel, we want to welcome you to the program. How are you doing today? Uh, not great after you said I'm like beyond digging through the well of guests or your well's all dried up or whatever. So good start. 
Well, I, I mean, it, I got to prep the listeners uh, and, and give them setting proper expectations. So I'm glad you did bring that up, though, because I want to ask you first and foremost, how many cumulative minutes do you think you've listened to, to us? I'm not even going to go so far as to say how many hours, how many cumulative minutes do you think you've listened to us? Uh, probably two minutes. I usually stop when I get to like, you know, the 69 jokes and stuff. So, but I mean, I listen to you record. Does that count? Because if that no. counts, that is many, many hours. You didn't listen to our interview with the, the long came poly guy. That was an electric interview right there. No, I did not. Once we're done here, why don't you go back to the well and pull that one out? Wait, that wasn't even on theater and college troops. That was a different podcast, wasn't it? Yeah, so, oh. yeah it was. relevant here. Listen to the John Fanta interview. All right, that that's that's about as a list as we can get. Yeah. I think I heard that one getting recorded, though. I mean, those are good minutes. Those are good minutes while you're ta- either making dinner or taking care of the dog in the yeah. background. So yeah, plus plus she has to like stay completely silent, silent and still in the background of all of this, which is on honestly more effort than probably we put into the actual recording of it. The not making a sound and just hanging out, having to be like with herself doing nothing for the hour that we do this twice a week is probably almost more effort than we have to put in. Yeah. Do your listeners know that you live in a studio? Well, they do now, yeah. So, I mean, it is it is a team effort, absolutely. It's not just us three here. It's it's everyone pulling their weight together. So, we just unveiled UCLA, Rachel, and I asked this to everyone. I kind of flubbed it last last episode with Moynihan and UConn. But where do you think UCLA UCLA ranked in our top fifty? Number one. That's very incorrect. Uh, you were number three, as a matter of fact. Uh, so what makes you think number one, John Wooden, that's it. That's all you need. So, okay. Good name drop. I want to bring in another name drop though. One of our favorites, Bill Walton. You said you had a a story with Bill Walton, right? Uh, yes. He was present during a tour of Poly Pavilion after it had recently opened up and a friend of mine went to take a picture with him, but Unfortunately, he was wearing a shirt that said, yo, bitch, like Jesse from Breaking Bad on it. And Bill Walton refused to pose next to that profanity. So he did actually get his picture there. He had to put on a jacket, but, you know, it was like 80 degrees out and he's in like a full on like parka. I mean, Bill, Bill is a man of principle, not necessarily all the principles that we would necessarily follow in life, but he is a man of principle. Yeah, you're not wrong, but that was an unexpected one. I mean, I'm surprised Bill Walton turned it down. I mean, the guy just talks on air about being a deadhead. I mean, he toes the line. You know how some announcers will toe the line with gambling? I think he toes the line on, like, talking about drug use on the air. Oh, I mean, that's all he talks about, like, the whole time. Not no. just toes. I mean, he were past towing the line of this. I think he's, like, he's, like, well over the line of talking about this. But Rachie Pancakes was dealing with a with a curse word. You know, it's a little different. But an Emmy Award show curse word. You think <laughs> Bill Walton, of, you think Bill Walton knows about Breaking Bad? Overrated too. Honestly, probably not. Wait, actually speaking of Emmys, would Bill Walton take a picture of someone wearing a shirt that said Shit's Creek on it? I mean, based off past experience, I guess probably no. 
he wouldn't get the joke. I'm glad you brought up Shit's Creek, though. They cleaned up. Taylor coming in with a theater reference there. Did anybody else even win an award? I don't know. I that's didn't a watch serious, it. I that's a watch. serious question. We watched for like nine awards, and all nine were Shit's Creek. But that's either here nor there. I'm just on so that. At, at, at that point, I had nothing. There was nothing else. Like, okay, so they're going to win everything. We, we have an esteemed guest on the show right here. She's given up her valuable time, and we're not asking her questions related to alarm, alma mater. Rachel, allow me to kind of take the reins of this control right here. I, I want you to talk to me a little bit about the resurgence of UCLA under Ben Howland in the early 2000s. Can you kind of talk to me about who you attribute that resurgence to? Is it a little bit more Darren Collison, Jordan Farmar, or do you go back even a little bit further to Jason Capono? I mean, where, where do you rank your seven favorite UCLA basketball players in the history of the program? Well, Russell Westbrook is the best and the only one I really pulled out. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, two. Zach Levine, is that his name? Yeah. Count it. The Wear Twins. Oh, she goes twins to get five. (laughs) Oh. Running out of names. What greatness. Those five. Okay. All right, I think if you went with Bryce Alford and Lonzo Ball, then you probably got the seven greatest in UCLA history right there. Oh, Shabazz. Shabazz. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, of course. He should have been in the top five. Shabazz Muhammad. You, you might have missed out on Reeves Nelson as well. Reeves Nelson uh, from like Modesto or something. Uh, Honeycutt. Yeah. Honeycutt, oh. your boy Honeycutt, mm-hmm. yep. Um, so I'm glad you brought oh, hold up. On, hold on, let me interrupt. Has there been a more gross individual to play college basketball than Reeves Nelson? Lorenzo Mato Real. <laughs> <laughs> Reeves Nelson literally like peed on his like roommates pillows and shit like that. Maybe worse. If I actually now that I'm recalling this story, maybe worse. But and that's just the Central everyone California effect. At some point. <laughs> no, Rachel, no. Not everyone does that. Pee on the stuff they're not supposed to when they forget where they are. I've known too many people to do that. Getting personal in here. I'm going to come in with another good question right now and uh, really take the reins again. Rachel, there, there is a stigma surrounding the UCLA basketball program that basically the fans don't care. You know, they don't go to the games. They're not as interested in the program, despite the mystique that they have. Can you comment on this negative perception associating the fan base? And, you know, if there's a game at, you know, Saturday at 2 uh, let's call it noon Pacific against Arizona. Do you think most of the fan base is thinking about where they're going to go and get brunch or if there's a you know, artisanal farmer's market that they have to go check out or are they going to go to that game? I will say uh, as a student, going to the games was not always the easiest for whatever reason. I mean, you nailed it. Like the the crowds were never that big, but the student section was very difficult to get seats in. So I personally was one of those that would probably pick brunch over game because you had to camp out the night before to get a ticket in the student section. Now, who wants to do that? A lot of people in Durham, North Carolina, want to do that for Coach K. Well, you know what? It's not really comfortable. And you have class the next day. So Comfort's important. I, I would say, though, you probably have the most ideal weather in the entire country in order to camp out for an entire night. Yeah, I'm going to argue with you on that, but would I rather sleep in my own bed? Yes. Uh, that's fair. 
Rach, I want to play a game with you right now, okay? So we already name-dropped some, some UCLA players, but what I want to do is go through a list of six or so names, and I want you to tell me if they're a football player or a basketball player, all right? So we'll start first with Kyle Slow-Mo Anderson. That sounds like a basketball player. I feel like had I not given you the nickname, you you may not have gotten that. But yes, correct. One for one basketball when player. Did he, when did he play? Drew Holiday. Uh, when did he play? Yeah, when? When was Kyle Anderson around? Like, 2000 pretty sure well pretty pretty sure well rachel was was <laughs> familiar i i just don't really know anyway drew holiday <laughs> two for two all right anthony barr football three for three pancakes all right miles jack oh that sounds very familiar um, I mean, it should be. These are all athletes, like during your time at UCLA. Basketball. She tripped up there. No. Football player. Uh, Trevor Ariza. Basketball. Correct. Mercedes Lewis. Football. Correct. And Good now, pick. the very last one. And guys, I want you to just relax here. Garrett Cole. basketball i feel bad i was fucking with you he's a he's a baseball player as a matter of fact uh so i apologize for that but not bad you only missed one miles jack that was awkward silence but yeah good job right there you only missed one thanks any encounters with any ucla players um very few I, I couldn't tell you by name, but I know there were a lot of Jersey chasers that brought some basketball players to some sorority events in the day. I think there was one. I don't know. They were just always so tall. It's like, well, that's clearly a basketball player, but I don't know who they are. Um, did see a friend of mine saw Honeycutt on campus and tried to like dap him up and be all excited and just yelled Honeycutt at him across across the Bruin walk and he looked at her like he saw an alien and just kept walking. Just ignored her completely. Wasn't there a Norm Powell uh, interaction as well? Might've been an intimate reaction. I don't know. Was it or interaction? Oh, yeah, He's like a very large person and I believe they were hooking up, but somehow like she got like stuck under a shoulder was suffocating and she had to like punch him to get <laughs> to get him off of her but uh in an intimate setting you know that was just your that was one of the jersey chasers that was one wow. of the jersey chasers mm-hmm. i actually this is leading into a, a a question that i've had for a while rachel as you know your fiance has been doing this podcast for the better part of the year and a half now um you know, this, this podcast is a big deal. You know, we're, we're in the college basketball market. We, we are well known when we leave our respective apartments, when we go out 
how are you dealing with the increased kind of celebrity status, the unwanted female attention that Subi is probably getting when he walks around the streets of Chicago? How are you dealing with that? Are you jealous? And do you guys have a worked out plan to, to uh, you know, react in occasions like that? You know, I know what we have is real, so I don't need to be threatened. And this fame is only going to take me to the top, too. Not bad what, answer. what an answer. What an answer that is. Actually, thankfully for COVID times, too, it's not like you guys are walking around in the streets all that much in the shy. So probably really kind of hiding and uh, not in plain sight, but you don't really have to deal with it out in public. So going back to the original statement that you had, I want to know which one of John Wooden's principles do you hold most dear to you that you use on a daily basis? Oh, God. Literally, like our... Our gym had like the pyramid of success in it. I just don't remember anything <laughs> that was in it. Um, so I'm going to say the golden rule. Do unto others as you want done to you or whatever it is. Well, is that part of the pyramid of success? Was that in his? I don't know. It sounds like just good words to live by. I think John Wooden would support them even if he didn't have them in his pyramid. No, I agree. I, and I, I'm just wondering if it actually did make it into his pyramid. That's... I feel like it would have. So his pyramid, I I think what Rachel, I'm sure she's trying to say, she the two that she uses the most are a combination of be true to yourself and help others, right? I'm sure that's what she meant by that, right? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, how many, also John Wooden question, how many different like sayings and John Wooden statues or plaques or whatever are there around UCLA's campus? You know, they're a decent amount. Like our whole gym was called the Wooden Center. Um, I couldn't tell you though. I, I feel like he was just kind of everywhere, like little sayings floating around all over, but it, I'm old now. Like I don't really remember. So, I want to dive into this as well because I feel like the theater goers that now have sort of understood that you're not super into sports, but you are very much into your alma mater and UCLA and them doing well. Explain to us that dichotomy of, well, you know, I love UCLA. I don't just necessarily care or follow too much about the sports. Um, I think that this is safe to say for a lot of people, I like the live sports, like the activity of going to a UCLA game. And I'm going to have like this blind support of UCLA as a result of that. But it doesn't mean, it mean that I need to follow every disappointment that they have. Just need the environment. You know, we go back for a football game every year because that is the best tailgate in the world, in my opinion. And the same goes for how I feel about basketball games. I want to hear about it and they're fun when I'm there, but I really don't care if <laughs> It's not in my immediate vicinity. And all I need to know is that we're the best school on earth and have like what the most NCAA championships on earth. Pancakes, double digits, double. Can you name how many titles you have? It's like 123 now or something. No, no, no. Hang on. Hang on. I'm talking about, no way. I'm talking about, I know I'm talking about the basketball team. We have 11. Nailed it. Did you do research before this? No. I don't believe you. That's a smirk right there. There's a smirk that just came out when she said no. Whatever. Um, I said what 
were were you personally upset? Were you sad? Were there any sort of emotions when Polly flooded? I felt really bad actually, because it had been under construction my freshman and sophomore year. It had literally like not even been open for a year when it flooded. And I had a lot of friends that worked there on like the event staff. So they were pretty hurt by it too. And they said the damage was like really, really bad. <laughs> what, yeah. What exactly was the damage? I mean, it flooded. So then when it dried out, everything was just like completely wavy, like basically undoing like all the work that had been done. So that's why the students go don't go to the games right there. Well, that's why I didn't go the first two years because it was they weren't on campus. Like I don't even know where what our home court was at that time. And then I think my junior year I didn't have a den pass because I was gone fall quarter. And then senior year was when I learned that you had to camp out for every home game. Then I was like, no, thank you. Once was enough. Wait, where did? Obviously, you just said you didn't know, Rachel, but where did UCLA play when, when – did they play Staples? We no. might have played at USC. That seems really wrong, but – Wow. This is a really – this is a good rabbit hole here. Wait a second. Where did they play? When yeah. The, the... I'd be ashamed if, if you had to go over to USC. It's probably think, the most – Now that I'm saying it, but – yeah, I don't know. Maybe the forum. Is the forum still active? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, the LA Rams owner. Uh, oh, no. Balmer. Yeah, it was Balmer. Yeah, Balmer. Excuse me. Balmer right. just bought it. Yeah, excuse me. Um, I'm going to let you go on this, Rach. What the hell is 8-clap, and w- what is the significance of it? It's as significant as Bear Down is to you, regardless of how irrelevant you think it is. <laughs> No, I mean, like, t- tell us the significance of an eight clap. Why eight as opposed to just a couple clap? What is the significance of eight clap? I don't know. It's called rhythm. Just is that enough. seriously it? Are there eight levels to John Wooden's pyramid? I don't know. <laughs> is it like a move you do? I don't even know what it is. You just clap eight times and then you chant you LA. <laughs> do it. Yeah. yeah. You got to do it. Do it. Pickle wants to pickle. Splice that in soon. Yeah. Yeah, just put it in later. Because I'm no, not no, 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 no. We're, we're splicing it. Starsky and Hus. Oh, look at these two hot chickens. Think I want some dinkle. Give it to me. Huh? Come on, do it. Lay it on right here. Do it. Do it. He, he means a kiss. We're doing little voices undercover. Come on, sweetie. Do it. Oh, that's a sweet little pucker. I love it. Hi. Can I get you two a drink? You sure can, sweetheart. Johnny Red Neat. Okay. okay. Do it. Mm-hmm. Do it. All right. And you? Do it. Bacardi and Cola, do it, do it. Okay. I'll be right back. You're you're going to do the eight clap. No, no. Is it like, or is yeah. it slower? Is it slower uh, than what I just did? Or slow. It can be like a look how fast I can clap kind of thing, or it can go to the rhythm of the marching band. My questions are going to end as soon as you just demonstrate it for me once. No. Give us four claps. And then four right after that four. And now four right. more. <laughs> no. All right, whatever. <laughs> All right. For, for the sake of answering this question, UCLA played at uh, the LA Memorial Sports Arena, which was demolished and is now the home of the LAFC 
soccer team where they built their stadium right, right next right right you were close though rachel it's literally right next to the coliseum so pretty yeah. usc's campus essentially okay that makes me feel good rachel thank you again for hopping on uh we are going to go ahead and actually just splice in the eight clap like i'll probably just get a youtube clip of it or something But thank you again. Any any last words that you want to share with the theater goers? Was this an enjoyable experience for you? Did we did we put you on the spot too much, or were we good? You know, it was fun. I'm sorry I don't know anything about sports, but I do know a thing about blind fandom, and I think that's something that all three of you know about. Um, and on this last note, in addition to being a sports powerhouse, UCLA is also number one public university in the world this year. Brains and beauty and athleticism. There you go. That's a hell of a PSA. That should be one of those in in the commercials when UCLA football or, or basketball plays. You should pitch that to to the communications or public relations department. Mm, you know, I will. I would like a new job. <laughs> Lobbying for a new job here on Titch. Hug for you, Pancakes. Thank you again for hopping on. Uh, and we'll chat down the road. Just the chat? Thank okay. you, Pancake. All right. We want to thank Rachel again for hopping on. Uh, quite an interview there. What were your guys' thoughts there? Yep. I mean, I feel like I am more knowledgeable about UCLA after that interview than I was before. It was short at times, to be honest with you. <laughs> we were struggling a little, I got to say. But you know, I'm glad we we got her on. First, yeah, first it's, no, it definitely is, and it's good. Her her final thoughts regarding, hey, look, you know, I'm not coming up here pretending to be Stump the Schwab. I'm not going to know all this, but I'll tell you one thing: I'm a ride or die Bruin. I love that. You know, you got to no, have fans like that that can wear it, that wear it on you know on, on their sleeve and be honest about it. But at the same time, when you're backed in a corner, you're going to be rooting for your team no matter what. It was like that guy that wrote the letter for the Falcons over the weekend, um, saying that he's no longer a Falcons fan. I don't want that no. guy in my foxhole. Get out of my foxhole. You're giving up after 28 years of having a tough time. I need people like Rachel Pancakes willing to go to go to war with me no matter what. Well, and, and even in more of her and her family's defense, because her family has a lot of Browns fans in it. I respect like people like Browns fans way more than I respect a lot of other like fan bases in the NFL or sports in general. You're riding with a team or or dying with them, obviously, but like the success, whether it was in John Wooden's days or now or whatever, like I, I don't even care. It doesn't matter. Like this is my squad and I'm rolling with it. And I've got a lot of respect for that as well. Well, and UCLA has given their fans plenty of opportunity to, to jump ship here ever since Ben Howland left. So we'll see how, uh, what Mick Cronin does. Let's move on, though, to number two on our list. Out of the ACC, it's the North Carolina Tar Heels. Six national titles, 20 Final Fours, 41 conference titles, 28 Elite Eights. 34 Sweet 16s and 50 NCAA tournament appearances. The Dean Dome, Dean Smith, Roy Williams, some legendary coaches. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. You obviously think of Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time. There's just so much with Carolina that it's it's almost impossible to wrap your arms around it. How great of a school basketball school it truly is uh, in a basketball crazed state 
I'm sure some Duke fans will be upset at the ranking that they edged him out here, but the resume just is a little bit stronger. There's, there's absolutely a chance for Duke to overtake them. Maybe next time that we do this, uh, especially if Carolina continues to have seasons like they did last year, where they were just completely awful. Uh, Carolina recently a national title winner as well after losing the year prior. So Carolina hug for them at number two, Taylor, what are your thoughts on the Tar Heels here? I mean, it's the type of school, you know, how successful a school is when I believe it's North Carolina. And one of you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think they hang. Do they even hang final four banners anymore? They have 20 of them. Well, they have to, right? Isn't that, isn't that where we got the, the ceiling is the roof from MJ? Is that what yeah, that was? Yeah, 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 you're right. And maybe they do, but you're right. But they sure shit don't hang elite eight banners and sweet 16 banners and any, and I, you know, anything like that. 50, 50 tournament appearances is, is ridiculous. And the amount of talent, the funny thing, you know, obviously Michael Jordan is the one that we bring up and he made the, uh, you know, the, the key jumper uh, with what, 17 seconds left in the national championship game uh, against Georgetown. Right. And uh, Michael Jordan's probably not even the close to the, I mean, he's close, but he's not the best actual player in, during his just time at North Carolina. And that really goes to show you how much talent. If Michael fucking Jordan isn't even the best player that wore a North Carolina jersey while he was at North Carolina, that's probably all you need to know about how good of a basketball school you are. Yeah, to, for me to jump in, I mean, Soup, to your point, I don't think Duke's catching Carolina anytime soon. Uh, you know, they, they Taylor referenced it, but they have the most Final Fours in the history of the sport. They have six titles. Uh, they're consistently competing. They have the greatest basketball player to ever live come out of their program. And in my opinion, the greatest college basketball player that I was have seen in my lifetime over the four-year span in my guy, Tyler Hansbro. Like that guy was everything if God handcrafted. What movie is that from? So sounds we'll, like we'll a Ben Stiller and, movie. Maybe. Yeah, sounds like God hand came down. No, it's Ari Gold and one of the entourage things. Very inappropriate, but Ari Gold thing came down and handcrafted a college basketball player. It would be Tyler Hansbro in the mid two thousands. The effort, the intensity, the production. He won. He was. He he did everything. He was everything that you would ever want in a college basketball player. Um, and it, he just you know Carolina. I love them growing up. I dating back to remembering Eric Montross. I remember. Loving Eric Montross going all the way up to, and then you that leads into Vince Carter, Antoine Jameson, Shimon Williams going all the way up through that team that won the title with Sean May, Ray Felton, um, you know, the Cants, all, everyone. I mean, it's an outstanding program. They back up their numbers in the way that Kansas does not. Uh, they have, they've, I mean, Kansas is successful and they won the conference titles playing against a bunch of trash teams in the Midwest. Carolina was doing it in the bedrock of college basketball. Um, elite eights, they have 28, sweet 16s, 34. They're making the tournament every single year. And they have elite coaches that come out of the program with the exception of Matt Doherty. Um, great, great program. So I'm glad you brought up Tyler Hansborough. It might be why it's on my mind right now because it's relevant Eastern conference finals, but I would love Pavlov first row viewing to see Tyler Hansborough versus Grant Williams. Uh, like a Tennessee 2018 matchup versus North so, Carolina. Uh, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, like Grant Williams couldn't even sniff Tyler Hansbrough. And I'm the biggest Grant Williams guy you can imagine. Grant Williams never made it beyond the Sweet 16. Hansbrough was, you know, winning titles, putting up banners, winning National Player of the Year. Like 
Grant, of course, did that in the SEC. But I love Grant. I love that type of guy. The undersized, you know, dirt dog to go and just produce at every single moment in the game and stuff the stat sheet and do all that. But Grant Williams is a poor man's Tyler Hansbrough. Which is pretty still it's still pretty fucking good. I mean oh, yeah. Grant Williams is awesome at Tennessee. But I yeah, I agree. And and you know, this cannot be overshadowed as well. Carolina's threads, their uniforms are so buttermilk. The the twine up and down the side, the Argyle, I should say, the baby blue. They get they get to wear Jordans, obviously. They have some of the cleanest uniform sets that you will see. Uh, and and I'm glad you brought up your your youth there, Shark, Baby Shark. I remember growing up with him. He had a shirt that said, "Friends don't let friends go to Duke." Isn't that right, Shark? I did have that, and then my brother ended up going to Duke, so that didn't work out too well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I gotta say, I liked North Carolina growing up too. They're just such a fun team to watch, and especially from a place that didn't get a lot of regional coverage of teams, like they were on ESPN two days a week. Um. They've only going back to a point I made in during the last uh, during Kansas. There is they've had five one and dones now total. The one that I was thinking of, which was was their first in fifteen years, was Tony Bradley. He's on the Jazz, but yeah, I mean he's not doing much. Uh, yeah, yeah, he was like the worst player on that team, right? And so like he was kind of a worthless. Almost don't even want to count him because uh, you know he it just doesn't make sense. So I will say of like some of the great schools though, I don't think I know I harp on this more than you guys do but i don't think super highly of the dean dome in terms of like great college basketball arenas that probably doesn't make my list of like top five or whatever built in the 80s and uh, kind of was after north carolina already had a ton of success whereas you know like cameron indoor for example has been there for almost ever um that really doesn't matter when you have 20 final fours and you don't even have space to hang up all the banners but uh just wanted to mention that that if that's the only real thing we can say negatively about North Carolina basketball, that they don't have the best arena in college basketball, again, like, I, like I've said, it's probably a pretty good problem to have. Everything about Carolina, and you can't talk Carolina, you can't talk Duke without pitting them against each other. It's the greatest rivalry in all of sports. And so I'm going to do it again. We both, all three of us have mentioned how much we love Carolina growing up, and that's not just limited to us. I feel like everyone, when in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you start watching college basketball, you obviously aren't in college. You don't necessarily have a local team, maybe. Everyone gravitates to Carolina. Everyone, I feel like, had that that hat. It was like the dark blue but with the baby blue Carolina logo, the NC, or just the alternate logo with the Tar Heel itself. Everyone had that hat. And I think it also goes into, into this, Taylor. You had mentioned the one and dones. People love developing relationships with some of these players. You mentioned Ray Felton. Marvin Williams, I think he was actually the one and done, wasn't he? But he had a long, he yeah. had a long uh, career. Sean May. These are guys that you just want to root for, it seems like. And it might just be because of the colors that they're wearing. Might be the name on the jersey. But if Sean May was in uh, wearing a Duke jersey, I'd be like, fuck Sean May. You know, it's 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 just there's something about Carolina that a lot of people, and I honestly feel like if you weren't raised in Durham or in North Carolina as a Duke fan, it's kind of like, why are you a Duke fan if you're if you're from Boston? You should be a Carolina fan. So it is interesting how everyone growing up was on the Tar Heel bandwagon. Well, we've heard this from some of our North Carolina friends that nobody in North Carolina is a Duke fan. Is that yeah, correct? I, we, I feel like right. there's way more NC State fans and, and Wake fans even maybe. Well, Duke's alumni base is tiny. 
I mean, really, from people who actually went to Duke, it's tiny compared to all the other schools in North Carolina, all the big schools in North Carolina. You, you know, East Carolina is 10 times as big as fucking Duke is, you know? And so that's what I think is interesting as in comparing the two, and that's probably what makes North Carolina a more likable school than the two. Is like Duke is just seems like a bunch of people who just chose to like them rather than North Carolina, we went to school there or we grew up next to it or so on and so forth. And I, I think that has something to do with what your national perception is for sure. Well, also the head honchos too. Roy Williams is just <laughs> Cry, awesome. Crying Roy. Roy Williams gives us great sound bites. Coach K does not. Roy Williams gives us that little gif when he's like sneaking up into the locker room about to dance and go crazy. I don't know what Coach K has given us. Roy Williams is just the the, the best. Actually, uh, a clip of Roy there, Shark, it's resurfaced from a couple of years ago when he was shitting on Doug Gottlieb because Gottlieb said something about him a couple of years back and he said, but can't even put his daggum pants on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a great time to go after Gottlieb. Boy, I, <laughs> yeah. Talk about being in people's foxholes. I'm, I'm trying to find my way out of Gottlieb's foxhole right now, but... <laughs> Oh, <laughs> tough, tough foxhole to be in. All right, let's go ahead and finish this up, fellas. We've we've made it to the end of our long, arduous journey, which started at number 50. We are now at the greatest college basketball program in the, in the land. It's the University of Kentucky out of the SEC, eight national titles, 17 Final Fours, 52 conference titles, 38 Elite Eights, 45 Sweet Sixteens, and a mind-blowing 59 NCAA tournament appearances. This is the creme de la creme. This is the, this is the peak. And you think about Adolph Rupp, you think about John Calipari, you think about all of the one-and-dones that have been through there, the great national title-winning teams, the great players. Uh, I mean, some of these stats are just absolutely absurd to think about. And it's so funny that in a conference that is football it's pride it prides itself on football the greatest college basketball team arises from the sec i'm sure we'll have a ton more to discuss here shortly but shark your initial thoughts on the wildcats coming in as our greatest program yeah you know we we come to the end of our um our rankings our manifesto i led in the early on episodes about how we had the conversation uh you know a bunch of tennessee guys back in 13 about how we were going to rank all the programs and trust me when I tell you, we did not want to have to list Kentucky number one. Uh, we do not like Kentucky. The rivalry between Tennessee seems to get stronger each year as the you know Tennessee gets better, and you know they will be substantially better over the next ten years. But objectively speaking, when you look at all the numbers and the raw data, Kentucky is by far the best college basketball program. In the world, unless there's a college basketball program in Russia that I'm not aware of or in any other nation, but I would put Kentucky up against any other nation's best college basketball program because they they really are. The players that come out of there, the amount of titles that they have at eight, Final Four, 17, you know, everything that they do in the tournament, the players they produce, and just the absolute culture of Big Blue Nation that surrounds it. I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Lexington. I've been there a few times. In the airport, it's the first thing that you see in your face is Kentucky basketball. Uh, as you drive around, everything you could possibly see is Kentucky basketball related. Uh, hotels have stuff up on it all year round. Bars are named after it. You know, people's businesses are 
you know, blended into it. So it, it really is incredible the reach that it has in such a small little random city in Kentucky as well. Um, they are elite and it's really hard to find any team that even sniffs them at this point. I will say if I were going to critique them a little bit, you know, with all this one and done that they've been doing in the 21st century, they've only won one title and that was in 2012. That's it. I mean, they really haven't put up numbers in relatively recently, even with Calipari. Now, yes, he is there all the time. He's not going anywhere for any time soon. Uh, with his, that was a lifetime contract that he got, right? Seems that way. You have to but, drag him out of there. But it, it really is. They are the the cream of the crop, um, and it's tough to find anything negative to say. Well, you can't fire a Hall of Famer, so that's why Calipari is never going to go anywhere, right? I mean, I think if, if we look at this list, Calipari, Hall of Famer, K, Hall of Famer, Self, Hall of Famer, Roy Williams, Hall of Famer, uh, UCLA, on the other hand, right? But they've had a Hall of Famer, obviously, and arguably the greatest coach ever. But Kentucky, man, it's just – the, the sheer numbers, I keep going back to it, and it's it's honestly staggering. And this actually goes back to what we had discussed a couple episodes ago, Shark, in you know, how we view programs and coaches despite them not winning titles. If they got the final fours, then you're still great. And it's it, it's so rare and difficult getting to final fours. Cal Perry's done it a bunch of times with, with Kentucky. He's only converted once, but Cal Perry should probably have two national titles under his belt. Obviously we referenced Mario Chalmers a little bit before, but Kentucky, man, they get to final fours and they're always competitive and they're always going to be great. These are, these are teams maybe with the exception of UCLA and they'll wake up, but the four out of the five teams I can strongly say will always be great. So one thing we didn't bring up about Kentucky, which I mean, this is kind of beating a dead horse is, is that they're also the winningest college basketball team in terms of number of games that they've won and also in highest winning percentage in college basketball history, just to get to show how much further ahead they are than everybody else, you know, right there with, they're right there with Kansas and North Carolina. They're only, you know, Kansas and North Carolina are both within 20 and 50 games of them, but the difference between Kentucky and UCLA is own, is 408 wins. The difference between UCLA, number seven, and Missouri, number 50, is 250. So, like, they are that much further ahead than the top, even, like, the a team who was on our list three teams ago. You know, that's how extreme the amount of winning. And maybe that's the word, is the extreme amount of winning that they've done. This isn't an era thing. It's not a time place thing. It's not a one and done, pre one and done, pre NBA, pre tournament, whatever, whatever. It's every fucking season for 120 years. It's except insane. For Billy, except for Billy Gillespie season. Oh, well, Gillespie. <laughs> well, it's the it's the Billy Gillespie season in the year that Nerlens Noel went down. I think they lost to Robert Morris in the first round of the NIT. They have uh, they have a stat in here that they have had. Um, something more than like more seasons with 30 wins than they've had under 20 wins or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. I mean, the resume speaks for itself. Uh, best player we said was Anthony Davis. I think he's one of the greatest college basketball players ever again, not really going out on a limb there, led them 
uh, to a title as a true freshman. He actually kind of stunk in that national title game. He wasn't playing very well on the offensive end. I think he, in the locker room, he basically said, you guys score, I'll get the rebound and blocks, and which is exactly what he did. Well, but he AD, wasn't that good of an, he wasn't that good of an offensive player that year. I think he, he wasn't, he was like fourth on the team in, in points per game. I was think. he? I mean, yeah, I, 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 he was like the national player of the year, but had something like some of the lowest amount of points scored for a national yeah. player of the year. Yeah. Well, AD, I think we said was was best player. There's so many to to name. I mean, you could you have an argument for anyone. And then Shark again. We we always argue about who submitted the fan favorites, but I think you said the Unforgettables. Yeah. I it might have been Taylor to be honest with you, but I think the Unforgettables are the the clear choice. Um, just the ultimate fan favorites, you know, backwoods Kentucky guys thrust into a starting lineup and then you just surround them with Jamal Mashburn. Like what better college basketball team can you imagine than that right there? It's wonderful. So uh, our top five yet again, to remind you, Duke at number five, Kansas, number four, UCLA at number three, North Carolina at number two, and the Kentucky Wildcats rounding it out as the greatest college basketball program. Fellas, we made it. Take a deep breath. It's beautiful. We made it. Uh, let's finish it off, though, now. Uh, just a couple segments. I'll kick it off with Where Am I? Where am I? Where am I? We haven't done Where Am I in, in quite some time. You guys remember Brad Buckner? Or Brad Buckman, excuse me. Yeah, I brought him up on Texas during the uh, during our Texas list. That's right. So Brad Buckman... Uh, he is in some sort of real estate right now, actually at Elevate Growth Partners. Uh, let's give a little little synopsis here of what Brad does. And Taylor, I'm sure they, they'll be using a bunch of buzzwords that you can identify, but Brad specializes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he specializes in helping finding space and crafting custom real estate solutions for startups, nonprofit organizations, and corporate clients. So that's actually, what Brad Buckman does. Actually, not a ton of buzzwords in there, really. You know, I didn't use potential or unique or anything like that in there. So I'll give him credit for that. I think Brad, yeah, Brad was on that team that Texas last went to the final four on. Their big men are fascinating at, at University of Texas. It's either like Brad Buckman, who's just this huge, beefy guy, Connor Atchley, who's just this skinny white twig, or like Mo Bamba and uh, Miles Turner, who are just monsters. The evolution of the Texas big man. Someone needs to do someone needs to do their thesis on that or something. Can you even say Mo Bamba like normally without saying like Mo or are we past that? Well they're both they're both washed. The song okay. and the player. Yeah, that's so, true. I think I'm think I'm done with Mo Bamba. But Buckman's that's what Brad only, Buckman's only been at that place for three months. He was a broker at Actuala Commercial for five years before that. Hmm. I was hot I was hot on it. You are. <laughs> For a big development in the Brad Buckman world. You think any of these guys are like, you know what? Maybe somewhere, somewhere out there, someone's talking about me. Brad Buckman, as it relates to college basketball. I think I mean, for someone like Buckman, probably, but some of the other guys we pulled, probably not. Well, I it's totally has to do with how it, like the time period that this has been. Like if it's been under 10 years, maybe if it's been over 10 years. They're way past thinking like that, that, that ship has, has done sailed. All right. 
Uh, let me finish it off with some hugs real quick. Hug for Stanford and Jared Hodge, that nerd accountant. He lands the number three small forward in the 2021 class in Harrison Ingram. Uh, Stanford got a commit from Zaire Williams, I think, a few months ago, another five-star prospect, but he is in the 2020 class. So Stanford bringing in some dudes. They also produced Casey Akpala, who was really good. I think he was uh, a first-round pick by the Miami Heat. Uh, so Stanford developing and getting some players to come to Palo Alto hug for you Taylor any hugs to round out this episode yeah I do and it's one that's kind of near and dear to your heart perhaps and I'm not sure if you agree with this hug or not I'm actually going to give a hug to a former uh 24 7 247 uh national analyst Josh Gershon who started off uh in with U of A's uh kind of message boards as just kind of a guy who ran them uh 10 12 15 years ago so if you remember like go easy cats and all those goofy websites that always had some dumb fucking feuds with other stupid message sports but what i will hug him for is that he just got hired by the minnesota timberwolves for draft preparation and player personnel consulting so that shows you really more so it's just to point out and bring to light how much like the analytics and um you know how much the game is changing in terms of how we uh, kind of rate players and stuff coming up. A high school recruiting specialist is almost as important as a college recruiting specialist as it in, in terms of uh, what NBA prospects are like now. So I just think that's cool. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know much about him really, but other than it's almost just seems like the every man who started in on something, maybe like a, about a podcast, for example, I don't know where I would pull that from, but maybe like they started a podcast and got a job with an NBA team. So the hug for the every man, Josh Gershon getting a, a call up to the league. Wonderful hug. Uh, maybe he can advise the Timberwolves to not pass on the next Steph Curry next, you know, in, in the years or to come. any of the other like 13 NBA all-stars they've passed on in the last 10 years. Yeah. Hug for Josh Gershon. Uh, and hug for us. Like I said, fellas, we are back November 25th next month. We are going to be starting our regularly scheduled programming of one week at one episode per week. So thank you again for listening. Thank you for going on this incredible journey of the top 50. We finally finished it. College basketball is on the horizon. We are Pavlov, and we'll see you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Call it Paul, Bubba Sparks. Booty, booty, yeah. booty, booty, rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Rockin' everywhere. I found you, Miss New Booty. Get it together and bring it back to me. Hit the players club for about a month or two. Put a tan on it, then see what it's doing. I found you, Miss New Booty. Get it together and bring it back to me. Hit the players club for about a month or two. Put a tan on it, then see what it's doing. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it tight. Girl, I don't need you. You need me. Take it off, let it flop, shake it freely. And I don't tell stories, I let them tell themselves. And you ain't gotta sell sex, girl, it's sell itself. Like nothing else. Yeah, I'm a country boy, but that big city bottom fill me up with joy. Ain't life grand, live it up, Betty. Here go the whisper song, baby, this is us ready. Put it on me, enthusiastically. Whatever it is that you do, you do it admirably. And I ain't choose it, that thing chose me. It's Bubba Cake and Hidden Yang all the way in this thing. Go! Well, booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. I found you, Miss New Booty. Get it 
bring it back to me. Hit the players club for about a month or two. Put a hand on it, then see what it is. I found you this new booty. Get it together and bring it back to me. Hit the players club for about a month or two. Put a hand on it, then see what it do. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Get it right, get it right, get it tight. Quarter to twelve and we just getting in. Bubba gon' make it spark with the yin yang twins. Sipping on Patron, blom blom blom. Shawty in a thong, whoa whoa whoa. Ass get the jiggling, motherfucking wiggling. Keep that thing shaking like she frost bitch shivering. Ass be delivering all type of flashes, cashes. Got these hoes shaking out my lashes. Now it seems ever since I had the pleasure of getting you together, your chest is just whatever. I found a buried treasure. Yes, ma'am. Here's the plan. Meet me over yonder. Okay, don't play. I'll bring the book, book. You bring your cookbook, and I'ma fix that stuff up. Everything is good, good. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Booty, 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 rockin' everywhere. Bring it back to me. Hit the players club for about a month or two. Put a hand on it, then see what it's doing. I found you this new booty. Get it together and bring it back to me. Hit the players club for about a month or two. Put a hand. 